This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. WizardAmusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. WizardAmusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freebus, a.k.a. Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, Jared Morgan. G'day, Chris. How you going, mate? I am doing fantastic. How about you? Oh, yeah, pretty good. No problems. No one's sick or dying or stacking their bikes this week. So it's a a look up, isn't it? The the things do tend to look up that way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We were, uh, we just had our time shift. So it was the, uh, you know, wake up earlier than normal uh, day. Actually, it was not the wake up earlier. It was the, I should have gone to bed earlier, but because the clock still was saying, it was, I you know, 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Because <laughs> it switches over at like ridiculous o'clock in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, 2 a.m. I don't know yeah. why they do it because that's what they do here. See, I was just telling, I was talking before, wasn't I, mate, about um, the fact that Australia has horizontal and vertical yeah. time zones um, during summer. Queensland, which is where I live in Brisbane, um, is the only state who doesn't um, do daylight savings. So states like New South Wales, Victoria, um, and the ACT, um, they do. So we have, yeah, this horizontal and vertical time zones because we love to complicate things here in Queensland. <laughs> See, right, be- <laughs> yeah. right before I go to bed, I like to change over well, at least my alarm clock. Um, I'll usually change over a couple of clocks right before I go to bed. So that when I wake up in the morning, at least, you know, the time is correct and I'm not having to do that mental math in the morning. Um, yeah, you don't but, want to be doing any math in the morning. Right, get, right. Get but before I go to sleep, you know, I'm still doing my normal things, watch a movie, you're playing game, whatever. And so that's when it was just like, oh, yeah, I guess it's time to go to bed, you know. And then I, I go and I change the clock and I'm like, ooh, it's late and I got to get up yeah. early. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not on daylight savings, yeah. of course, at the moment. Um, but I did get to bed early <laughs> last <laughs> night because for the last two weeks in a row, I've barely scraped in for this session <laughs> when I've been trying to make it in. So I thought, yeah, I think that's my body telling me you really need to get a bit early on Sunday nights so you can make it into work early on Monday. Yeah. Do you, um, Jared does all of our, our, uh, he puts together the podcast after it's recorded for those that aren't aware of that. Um, puts in all the sound drops, that kind of stuff. I want you to call the post production engineer. Yes. I'm the post production engineer. <laughs> Um, do you actually listen back to it like as a listener or are you just kind of, uh, you know, feeding through it? Um, I, to get the timings that we put into each episode, I do need to listen to the whole thing again. Okay. Um, and so I can cut out things and stuff like that. But after I put the drops in, um, and stuff like that, I don't listen to it when it's up on the podcasting networks. So um, I try, I try and listen back to the show before we do the next show. Um, mm. And so I was listening to the last week's and I remember while we were recording it, we were talking about uh, Uncharted and the transitioning to game movies, yeah, games and all that. Those games and whatever. That. Right. 
so I remember while we were recording it, there was a moment where I had just a total brain fart, could not remember what my through line thought was. I had like two points or whatever. And so there was a particular moment where I was like, uh, uh, and the re and I'm like stalling for time, right? Trying to, trying to it's like break, right? <laughs> so, so I'm listening back to it and it gets to that point and I'm like, Oh, I wonder if I'm going to remember what I wanted to talk about then. Yeah. Did, and did sure you? enough, it clicked it. I was like, Oh, that was what the moment was. <laughs> so I want to just, I want to just come back in and circle one aspect that I was going to kind of laughing about, and this is not, not so much about the movies, but it is these games. And that is whenever anybody spelunking into caverns and ancient temples and everything. And, you know, of course the ancient temples have these booby traps. A la Tomb Raider. A la Tomb Raider. And all these booby traps seem to like make ceilings collapse and just like bury the entire thing. Right. Mm. And my question is, well, how did they get out to begin with? And why are they making it so hard to get to their precious treasures? I understand trying to prevent it from people stealing it, but the way these things are put together, it's a one-way trip in. <laughs> there ain't no coming out typically, you know, well, because at the end of each episode or each sort of chapter of Tomb Raider, it's like, Hey, you finished the game. Right. And <laughs> that's it. There's no like, let's go out to like this big tunnel of light and you're outside again. It's like, but I'm always hey, thinking about the architects yeah. of this, you know, and this even extends to your Indiana Jones movies or, you know, your, mm. you know, any of these adventure kind of movies where I'm like, Hey, yeah, this is really great for preventing people from getting in. But when you built this, weren't you just, weren't you just putting a padlock on the door? Shouldn't you be able to unlock this and then everything not collapse on top of you? Maybe there's like a master key that there's supposed to be, <laughs> like a big sort of a obelisk thing that they just shove in at the beginning of the, at the thing. So that the, all the booby taps are disabled or something like that. I, I mean, know. think about, think about Temple of Doom. It's the alarm, you know? Not Temple of Doom. <laughs> this... Right. But think about Raiders of the Lost Ark, just that opening scene with the fertility idol that Indy is stealing, mm. right? What was the purpose of them putting this where they put it when it was so insanely difficult to get to it? How would the tribesmen actually come and visit us to, you know, I'm assuming they'd go to the fertility idol for, you know, blessing of their fertility. Um but seemingly it's impossible to get in and out of this without everything collapsing and giant boulder coming down and killing you. Right. It might've been one of those things where, you know, they got to the point where everyone was trying to nick it and they went, you know what? We need to put a security system around this thing because, you know, people are just running off with it and it takes us ages to get it back. So oh, let's just put it somewhere. And it's essentially putting it in a safe and when we need it, we'll just go and grab it and everyone can touch the fertility idol and it's all, you know, great and stuff and things. And when we're done with it, it back in the vault. And See, here's, uh, here's my question. In reality, has there ever been any kind of tomb or, uh, you know, passageway deep in the jungle that is booby-trapped in this fashion? I don't know. I don't, I don't really think go so. Exploring. I, See, I, I, can't, I can't tell you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's complete movie fabrication. <laughs> Yeah, it would be a pretty boring movie, a pretty boring indie movie who just waltz through this corridors and then picked up the fertility idol and then just waltzed out again, you know? Well, that's <laughs> so, what everybody says about archaeology in general. It's, you know. Yeah, you know, in reality, he'd be there with a little brush going, right. shh, 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 and just For brushing two months. things away from 
yeah, for two months. That'd be a pretty boring movie. That'd be like uh, On Beyond. And remember that? <laughs> on Beyond. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> the seventy-two yeah. day movie. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or whatever that that time frame was. Yes. Before I forget, mm. next weekend, which is uh, March the eighteenth, thereabouts. Um, I'm gonna bring up my calendar here. Uh, I think it's the eighteenth and nineteenth. 7-Eleven, bring your own cup day. If we'll you can bring your own bathtub. Bring your, well, they are adjusting for the bathtubs that got brought in. Um, they now have a cardboard cutout in the store that is a 10-inch uh, diameter hole. And so your cup has to be able to fit through the 10-inch diameter hole. So those people that were bringing in the uh, kitty wading pools, yeah, they don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> because, you know, that's ridiculous. It's, so hang on. Did you say 10-inch? 10-inch. <laughs> and and so you can the, fill it up for a buck fifty. So if you're fifty meter tube, <laughs> it's nine point nine inches in diameter with an end cap on it, could fit through that hole. You're golden. Yeah. <laughs> you see where you know the people will do it. They will find a way to get around that because they're people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you if you wind up uh, filling up an obscenely large cup at Seven Eleven next weekend, please, 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 please post a picture of it to uh, to Twitter and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you put at blockade there so that we can witness the glory. I will be sure to uh, do that myself for whatever I bring in. I won't be able to because we don't do it at that time of year. Right? Yeah, that's right. In fact, I don't even think we do it. Our free Slurpee Day here, they give you a pre-measured little cup, and that's it. This isn't free Slurpee Day. Oh, sorry. Bring your own cup day. This is bring your own cup day. So you pay X amount. You pay a dollar fifty, and it's, you $1. fill 50. it up. Yes. <laughs> for something of a 10-inch diameter. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> God. Okay. Sorry. No, we don't We do not do bring your own vessel day. Um <laughs> We we just have a free sleepy day. I think yours would be sometime. in November. Yeah, something yours would like be that. November seventh because yeah. the way you European, well, I should say the rest of the world, other than America, yeah, the lifts, lifts their date. Um, we have we have dates that are sort of the right way around. Day month year, whereas <laughs> ours is month day year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Our I don't know what the capacity is like on the machines you got over there in um, the US, but if people were bringing their own vessel here, the machines would just be liquid. Like they, wouldn't be, they, they wouldn't be anything like ice at all. Yeah. There's um, on the subject of Slurpees and frozen beverages. Um, we have uh, Hungry Jack's over here, which is uh, Burger King. Okay. Um, strangely enough, it's called Hungry Jack's in Queensland. Everywhere else in Australia, it's called Burger King. What's up with so, Queensland? Because we're special. <laughs> all right. We're special. Um, now, the, they've got peak periods, of course, and one of those peak periods is straight after school finishes about three o'clock. You you never go to a Hungry Jack's at that time because Hungry Jack's have one dollar large um, frozen cokes. Okay, um, and they have a lot of the stores that are close to schools. Instead of just having one two barrel machine, they have three or four of them um, oh, going all at once and for the prime purpose just to keep up with demand and peak periods because all the kids come along and go, yep, yeah, I'm going to clean you out of the slurpee, basically. 
Um, and it's, yeah, you don't go there if you want a frozen Coke at that time because it just, there's none. Uh, it's first in best dress. You see the kids like running to the store to get in line. <laughs> the slurpy happy hour. <laughs> yeah, it is slurpy happy hour. Totally. It's so strange. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's pivot over into something that's uh, pinball related, huh? We've got uh, two <clears throat> topics actually that broke this week that are of the, isn't that awesome pinball variety? Let's start yeah. with Stern Pinball and their Ghostbusters table. We knew that it was coming, yes. but pictures arrived. Real pictures real from pictures. the source. Yes. So you know it's real when IGN pick it up. So, <laughs> yeah, IGN really did pick it up, and they did a really good feature on it. Heaps of pics. Um, it looks very cool. There's some stuff on there that makes me pretty excited to hopefully see a premium or an LE on location here. Yeah, the art style is of the hand-drawn variety, which I was very excited to see. Stoked for that. Yes. Um, It looks nice and colorful, and, I mean, it it looks like a pinball machine, you know, like a pinball machine should. It looks like the pinball machines of the 80s and 90s. My thought was that it would sit just perfect right next to an Adams family. Mm. Yep, it would. Um, I agree. Some people didn't like what the backlash looked like, but knowing Stern, there'll be probably three or four varieties of that for you to pick from anyway. So I wouldn't be too concerned about what the backlash looks like. Um, mm. The LE version comes with uh, green rails. Um, slimer slimer rails. rails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like, you know, fun touch, but whatever. The It's very much like um, the Spider-Man um, remake. It seems to be that rails are the new sort of feature du jour yeah. of stern tables when they when they either re-release them or make them limited. The laser cut rails. I think they're laser cut. They uh, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Have you it's never no, had a problem with you know where you rest your hands on certain machines um, mm-hmm. when you're flipping the the flippers that how the metal touches the palm of your hand that it kind of almost hurts a little bit. I don't know. It's something about stir machines on the pro versions that it's never a comfortable feel for me, as opposed to on the uh, the premium or Williams machine. And I, I haven't figured out what it is about the rails that is different. Um, but there's something that is just the palms of my hands aren't as happy. This is the powder coating because most of them were just straight chrome, hmm. um, like the Belly and Williams machines. They were mostly just straight chrome. Um, but I think a lot of the stones are powder coated. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't anyway. really found it um, a problem. No. Back to Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> so the, the thing that got me excited was on the uh, the premium and LE. They have this thing called the Ecto goggles. Yeah, me too. And oh, man. It's, it's this little disc that hovers over the lane that you'll uh, shoot up or the ramp that you'll shoot up, and it can project a hologram. <laughs> and it's, so it would be holograms of, I think they said Slimer, the... Uh, librarian ghost and the brothers and the brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I can't Scalary remember. Brothers or something like that. I think, I think that's it. Called. Yeah. 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 And I thought that's way cool, especially if you're playing in dark mode. Oh man, that would be good. Welcome back. Pinball 2000. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they got the idea from. Like yeah, they, sure so I listened to an interview that Nate did with uh, Jody Dankberg from mm-hmm. Stern. And he was saying that, yeah, totally. they, they couldn't do exactly the same thing as um, they did with Pinball 2000 because of, like, you know, patents and stuff. Right. They did the next best thing they could do because I thought, what a great thing to, like, 
ghosts and ghost theme oh, lends yeah. itself so perfectly to like projected images. So like they said, we had to do it. We had to. And the other thing, like the, the projected images thing is cool. But the other thing, which would be, I think, an industry first is the, um, the solenoid free slingshots that are actually magnets. Yeah. Well, what do you know about that? Because I, I didn't research it, but I read it and yeah. kind of, you know, got my wheels turning. The only reason I know about this is again because of Nate's interview with Jody. Um, Jody went into it and uh, said what they wanted to do. The first one of the first things on the drawing board when they were doing this game was to uh, do this thing with the the slings. That essentially all they are is um, they're passive bumpers rather than having a slingshot um, armature in there okay. um, to kick the ball. And so it still has that, the rubber. It still has a rubber, so it looks like a slingshot, okay. but there's actually no kicker arm in there. Okay. So the thing that kicks the, the rubber out and propels the ball is not there because it's replaced by two magnets either side. So what they can do, and I think I tweeted to Stern and Coast to Coast, but I didn't get a response, which I wasn't really expecting. But um, the from, from a geeky tech perspective, what they've done is they've they positioned the magnets probably as close to the flippers as we've ever seen in a pinball to date. Um, because the highest we've ever seen um, advertised playfield magnets would be on the Adams family mm -hmm. in that area up there where the power is. So these ones are right down near the flippers. And I can just hear all the, the novices now going, oh, it's got magnets in it, man. They're going to drain the ball. Well, you may find that it does with this particular arrangement because what happens is they've with the, I think again, because they've got um, spike and the fact that it's a very high data transfer speed on all of the, the bus network inside of the spike architecture, they've been able to orchestrate some pretty crazy features with the magnets. So they can actually juggle the ball in midair mm. like between, between the slingshots without even, touching okay. the slingshots. They can capture the ball and fling it back up the play field again. Um, and all sorts of cool little tricks that are just not possible with the physics of the, um, the normal um, geometry of the slings. So this is going to introduce some crazy moves from the table. They call it ghost slings because it's like the ball's possessed and it like mm -hmm. flings around everywhere. And that's going to be really cool to see how they do that. And from a maintenance perspective, much better. Because you're not going to have the wear and tear on the um, slingshot assemblies either. Yeah, cool. but you do now have to worry about magnets failing. Yeah. And yes. if you've ever played NASCAR with no magnets, it makes it virtually impossible to play. <laughs> yes, that's right. But magnets, you know, I the know. only thing that's going to fail on a magnet is the MOSFET that powers them. And they last for a fairly long time. Whereas, you know, the the action of the, the slingshot on the rubber is the thing that usually makes them wear out. Right. So as long as you rotate those rubbers from an operator's perspective, just rotate the rubbers every time you service the machine, they're going to last forever on there. That's what she said. Um, yeah, and you're going to find the ball wear in that area is a lot less as well because you're not going to have the impact of um, – this is not going to really translate very well for anyone outside of Blair, but when the kicker arm kicks the ball out, it actually pushes the ball down into the play field when by the action of the sling, mm -hmm. the, the little thing. So when the ball contacts it, it, it will actually force it down to the play field a bit. So that area always cops a caning because of that. Right now that's going to actually prolong the play field life in that area as well, which is a really good advantage too. Um, so 
I don't think this would have been possible with White Star or um, Sam uh, systems because of just the the timing and the orchestration of what they're going to have to do with that. So mm-hmm. I think Spike's the reason why they can do this. I'd love to see gameplay of the machine. Um, I haven't seen that yet, mainly because of the differences the between the LE and the Pro version. Mm. Um, I think they've got a pro already, according to um, the the podcast. And I I saw on Twitter that Measle Mods, um, who in, incidentally, if you don't follow Measle Mods on Twitter, they're actually a pretty good source of just general pinball information. Uh, they've got a site called Pinball Supernova, and um, they they just basically retweet everything they put up on there, and they, they often have some really good info. Uh, they were saying that Jack Danger playing the pro version, so. Um, we'll get to see what it looks like. I'm particularly interested in the subway feature of that game where the ball actually goes below the play field from a ramp and then gets trapped down there, and then it'll actually get locked underneath the play field. Is that the rear ramp kind of uh, so it's a really center big tall ramp? It's what it's the you know, the really big tall ramp at, on the, right at the back of the left. play field. Yeah, what it does is when you shoot that. It goes up the ramp and then around a habit rail and then down a really steep incline. Hmm. And it actually goes underneath the play field and pops back up just where the inlanes are again. So it's got this little, you'll note that if you have a look at the pictures in that lower right hand quadrant, you'll notice there's a, a little sort of a tongue, a little black metal tongue that sticks out. Okay. And I was going, what is that there for? It looks like this ramp goes nowhere. Well, it actually leads from the lower play field. So again, It'll go zoop, and then just drop down. Now, is the, that a uh, – does the pro mode have that also? Or is that I think just that's an a LA? standard feature. Okay. That's actually a standard – that's how you lock balls Okay. Um, in the game. So it'll basically prevent the ball from going up the other side of the ramp and lock them into a little sort of physical lock, which we don't often see uh, in pinball anymore. So there actually will be keeping a lock of the balls in, in there. Because apart from some, uh, you know, 3D plastic toys that the premium version has, the Pro and the LE are fairly, or the premium, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the, yeah. the two of them are fairly similar, except for one key instance. And, Slimer. And, no, not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the ramp, or the habit trail, that on the premium edition goes from the right side of the table over to the uh, left, drops into your left flipper. Um, that's if you shot the, uh, basically the ecto goggles. Okay. Oh, Whereas right. oh, yes. on the pro version, it, if you hit that ramp where there is no ecto goggles now, but it's obviously the ramp is still there. It just feeds into the right hand side flipper. So yep. obviously that changes what your combo patterns would be. And I found yeah. that really interesting that they would do that completely change up what your patterns would be. And it makes me wonder what the uh, what that does for your shot selection, what that does for the the programming between the two tables. Um, and to, in my mind, it makes the pro seem like it's going to be a very right side heavy flipper action, um, as opposed to the LE and premium, where it seems like it's going to be a little more balanced between the two flippers. Yeah, you've got a a shot from. Did you say a shot from the left ramp? There's a left flipper loop. over to the right uh, ramp. Over to the right ramp, which would be where the ecto goggles would be. That kicks oh, yeah. you up and feeds on the premium version. It feeds back all the way across on the habit trail back to the left flipper. 
the other thing that I found interesting about this table is the whole time, every single time I kept on reading about the uh, features that they were talking about, like the ghost uh, bumpers or, or the ecto goggles was how very Zen of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is very, they're pushing the boundaries of what they can do in a pinball. Um, a physical we're starting pinball. to see those video game qualities creep into uh, the tables themselves. I mean, last week yes. we talked about having balls that uh, do different functions on the tables, like what Zen does. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't try that on an actual physical table. Um, yeah, that's like right. I said, encoding balls with a chip inside, uh, you know, somehow, I don't know yeah. how they would do that, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting what they're doing. They, they're, they're branching out, I think, again, because of the spike system and the advances in that and what they can do with it. And the fact that they can just add on modularity to any part of the play field that they yeah. want. They can do cool things like that. And I think uh, I'm having, uh, the thing I like about the, the Ghostbusters design, it looks a lot more ruggedized than a lot of the other pinballs I've seen from Stern. Like mm -hmm. the, the big ramp that I'm talking about, the left ramp, which is I think they're going to call the 14th Street, the 14th Street ramp, because that's what it says up the top of the ramp. Um, it's all metal. It's not plastic with metal guides on the side. It's just metal. And that's what they need to move towards for rugged, uh, for ruggedization of play fields. Because, um, you know, these are still being operated. Is I'm it metal for both, the... both editions, though? Because the one of them has a, a sticker, you might say, that looks like train tracks going up. The other one just looks like solid metal. Yeah, there is a... Well, on the one I'm looking at here, this is the LE play field. Mm -hmm. yep, that's play the one field. that looks like metal. Look at the pro. Yeah. Let me just go down here, the pro play field, see what it looks like. Oh, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. They've got a... Oh, yeah. They have that ramp on the pro. I see what you mean about the ecto goggles shot. It's... um, Wow, it's completely different. Right? Yeah. It's... And even the... Yeah. It's the ramp that would normally be a curvy ramp. Just goes straight up and then hits a metal guard on the back right. and then goes right. down. Oh yeah, that's shit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not shit on that burn. It wouldn't have cost you that much more to actually make everything ruggedized on the pro, which is the thing that's going to be out in the arcades. That's like, the, that's the that one that needs to have. Right. That's the one that needs the metal everything on it because it's going to get beaten to hell. Like, don't cheap out on the plastic. That's shit, Stern. What are you doing? That's that is the part that's always confused me about the um, the calling something pro mode to me means beat the living crap. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like they said, they lower the price knowing full on that that's the one that's going to be in the arcades and it should be less likely to have mechanical failure. And yet you put on these parts that are going to have mechanical failure. <laughs> and yep, it looks like that that whole assembly that goes underneath the play field to lock the balls is gone. Okay. So that is, okay. That's what I figured that it, I was like, I don't think that's uh... that is super shit. I'm sorry, Stan, but your penchance for taking key features out of the game is oh, frustrates the shit out of me, eh? I hate it. <laughs> hate it, Stan. Dick move. Oh, that's okay. They don't dogs. listen to our podcast anyway. Um... No, they won't. <laughs> it doesn't stop me from getting cranky about it. Cranky. Um, so like I said, though, it was interesting that the... Uh, some of these Zen-like features are finding their way into physical pinball, which 
makes me talk about Zen Pinball. That's our other thing that we wanted to uh, mention. They have announced that they're coming out with Pinball Effects 2 VR for the Oculus Rift. It's going to be released, uh, I believe they say dead in, day and date, with uh, when Oculus releases at the end of March. And mm-hmm. they're going to have uh, three tables, which is uh, Secrets of the Deep, Epic Quest, and Mars. All three of those I find curious as to those. Why are the, would they release those three? That's yeah, <laughs> very curious to me. Um, yeah. But the photos that they showed of this, it's gotten me excited. And I really hope that they bring the look of these tables into, I'm assuming if they did Pinball FX3, basically. Because um, they've now got dynamic lighting showing up on these. Um, okay. You, they've got some very Tony Stark-esque looking um, loft that they've got these three pinball machines in. And by the looks it looks of the, cool, doesn't it? I, I don't quite understand the look that they were going for. I mean, none of the homes I've been in that have pinball machines are laid out in the least like that, but okay. Um, Remember, this is fantasy pinball. Fantasy pinball, and this so is where fantasy, fantasy loft. Because if you look carefully at the pictures, like when you're playing Secrets of the Deep, well, suddenly it looks like you're playing pinball underwater, and there's sharks mm. floating about, and uh, you know bubbles. If you're playing, Mars, they actually theme the tables well to things. So there's going to be like zones for the underwater tables and zones for this. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, and if you're playing oh, like- Mars, all of a sudden there's a little bit of you know meteors are flying around your house. Um, so they've, yeah. they've taken that fantasy element, kind of put it in and around you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm still not convinced about playing pinball with, you know, Oculus doing VR. I, I don't know. I, I get the 3d aspect of it will be really cool. And being able to lean over the table will be really cool, but I don't know mm-hmm. how much of this, you know, walking all the way around the table stuff is, is needed or necessary. Um, but clearly, Zen's been working on this for some time if they're ready to release day and date. Um, the bad news is, unlike previously what Zen has done, this is a repurchase, which I guess a lot of people are kind of uh, up in arms about. But hey. Well, the, a lot of people have been spoiled on Zen because they have been able to upgrade and cross-grade and do all sorts of crazy stuff that no other developer would allow. Um, so it's time to pony up for a little bit more. Like well, if you're already one, tuning up, what, what is it, six hundred bucks for an Oculus? Yeah, I'm, if I'm, you want content for it, you got to pay. Like, <laughs> this would not be a trivial um, update to the way they have to do things. Like, no, this is a completely they've rewritten, rewritten, they, they all like they've rewritten everything. Because yeah. we're talking like, as you say, dynamic lighting, and that is not part of the current Zen offering at all. Like, there's lighting effects, but there's not dynamic yeah. lighting in it. So. And then there's all the 3D environments hooking in the Oculus like navigation tech. Like this is a brand new version. And I hope for their sake that because they've teamed up with Oculus that they'll be able to do the uh, Samsung uh, Gear VR. Right, Gear VR. Because I had a go of that the other day did with you? the S7. One of the guys here got one and um, we put it on and had a look at the Gear VR. No games on it. As yet, mm-hmm. we're just watching the National Geographic like flyovers of volcanoes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, I've tried cardboard VR as well, yeah, and um, 
I don't know. I with that particular app, maybe it's just because I hadn't focused the glasses because the via the gear VR thing has like an optical like distance focus as well, okay. so you can adjust for your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looked it looked kind of pixelated and it looked like really like you can really see the pixels. Mm-hmm. They're really big. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe with a game that has the frame rates up and it's not actual footage, like right. recorded footage might be different, but yeah, I, I would need to see a game playing on it to really be sold. Because um, obviously since they're advertising the new uh, Galaxy 7, I think that's what's yes. going on. Yeah. Um, I've already noticed a couple of advertisements on TV where it's, you know, buy the Galaxy 7 and you'll also get the Gear VR for free. Um, yeah, the Gear VR is not that expensive. Here it's $150. Well, I mean, that's still a pricey add-on to your phone that you're not going to be using much. It's not 600 <laughs> Well, not 600, no, it's not 600 to get the actual PC version of the Oculus. Right. So interestingly, interestingly enough, uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain here in Southern California, they're, the, they're redoing their roller coaster revolution, which was the first looping roller coaster in North America. came out back in 1976, which would be what well, was the revolution. Um, they're, they're doing a big overhaul on it. And, uh, the main, I've seen this, the main thing being their train track or their, their, their train cars that they're putting on this, which we've been screaming about for years because they ruined the ride by putting over the shoulder harnesses on it. But that's beside the point with these new cars. It's also going to become the, I think it's the first VR roller coaster. So you can put on the Samsung Oculus. VR VR, oh, VR yeah. while riding the roller coaster. So you're going to get a- all the G-force and the wind and everything, but you're going to get completely different visuals, obviously, than what uh, what everybody else is. I thought, well, that's kind of that's interesting. I don't know. I'd try it out. It's not something that make me be like, I got to ride that ride because I don't want my roller coasters well, to be a video game. But you remember that. Like there's been, I've I've been in those like 40 simulators that sure. try and emulate G-force yes. by having like a, sort of like a a catapult system in them yeah. that throw you forward and then slowly mm-hmm. ease back so you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty cool, um, particularly if like the the visual part of it was great, but the thing that let it down was the actual physicality of the G-force and the impact it had on your body. It didn't like the illusion wasn't there. No, but actually having that wide in to an actual roller coaster, which is subjecting you to G-Force properly, could be an amazing experience to actually have a go at. So I think it's a it's a logical idea to do it. But the thing that um, we were all talking about in the office here about is like, well, they're going to really have to like put extra safety stuff on the VR headset. It's got a chin strap. <laughs> it would have to have a chin strap. It's going to have a chin strap and as well as the head strap. The, the thing that I was wondering is, well, what is that going to do to ride loading times? And from what I saw, that if you're going to do the VR headset, you wind up angling off right when you're at the end of the line, angling off to go into the VR room where you'll get fitted. And by the once you get back, and then once you're fitted, you get put into a separate queue line to then pop into the ride itself. I was like, okay, good. You know, yeah, you're, they're not going to slow things down. There's no way they, they sit you in the seat and then do it because the VR, the gear VR has what they call a pass through mode. So you can actually have the, the goggles on and be walking around and seeing exactly what you're oh. seeing through the camera. Oh, okay. So what they do is they would actually, the app would probably detect when you're actually in the roller coaster mm-hmm. and automatically switch that off. 
um, or they'd have like a trigger so the app would actually go right into game mode now and it would actually flick over and they'd only show the vision, not the pass-through. Well, so. each each train car has a sensor on it uh, mm-hmm. that codes into the headset that you're with so that right. no matter where you are on the train, it's going to make it visually look like you're in the front car. And it's timed uh, yeah. according to where you are on the on the. So you'll feel the drop when when you're you supposed to feel the drop. Point. Exactly, That's no matter cool. where you are on the train. So it will f- make you feel like you're in the front car, but it will delay the vision. Yes. So like a couple of seconds, milliseconds, or, or whatever. Like yeah, whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of that a lot. This is taking this is the logical progression for VR for me, applying it to real world scenarios to enhance the real world um, version of it. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing, uh, and I getting, circling back into Zen, I think it would be a great idea for them to do this on more than one Oculus branded platform. I think gear VR is something very achievable for them for mobile to open up the mobile market for them. Um, not sure how transportable the code is. Um, but, uh, it would make sense at least that if it's on the Oculus sort of platform, it should at least be portable to an extent, maybe a downsampled version of it or something. Um, but I think the, the interesting thing is number one, Zen being first to market. Um, cause I think Farsight rumored that they were looking at gear VR as well at yeah. some point as well in their 12 days of Christmas. So, um, it will be interesting to see what their offering looks like, um, when it comes out. I don't know. They've um, gotten their development kit even in yet. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, for Oculus, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Well, because um, when I talked to them back in January, uh, there was no hard, concrete ideas of what they were even going to be doing with it, other than they're going to look into developing for it. But mm. they're in terms of, you know, I asked them about environment and are you going to be able to walk around the table or what? None of that had been even specked out. No, no, no. But so, it sounds like it sounds like Zen had been working on this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think well, I think we mentioned what we'd like to see in um in Pimble Arcade. Uh, we didn't really want to walk around the room, but now yeah. Zen's done it. I wonder if that will actually change people's expectation. Yeah, I know? don't know. It's it's to It'll me be- it, it falls into that whole thing of when Sony did the PlayStation Home and everybody was like, Oh, that's so cool, because then I can walk into a room and there's all the games that I have, you know, on my PS3. And so it'll be like me looking through the light and then you would listen to everybody and they're like, nobody uses that feature. Nobody. Mm -mm. So my thought was the reason why be dealing with Oculus is obviously Oculus is going to have the most uh, name recognition at the moment. Yes. Use that as your test bed. See, you know, what the feedback is. See what people want out of it um, before you really go whole hog in developing every other table that they have. And then also that'll give them an opportunity to wait and see what happens with uh, Sony's VR. Yeah. Because Sony has this bad habit of coming out with peripherals like the move that then they do (laughs) nothing with later. So rather than dumping all your dollars into this and then having it just sit there like a lump, um, obviously Oculus is not going to sit there like a lump. They're treating this very much as a, uh, a, a long-standing platform to to do stuff yeah. with. So, yeah, my thought would be was might just sit back, wait a little bit, see what the Sony thing is before dumping 
development dollars into that, but go with the sure thing of Oculus. Yeah, I think Oculus and all the other emerging VR tech, it's very much like the Betamax and VHS yeah. of the video uh, landscape. And I think it's whoever gets to market first and gets penetration and gets buy-in from all the like game manufacturers will be the winner, just yeah. exactly as VHS and Betamax did. Um, so it's a race to the top, pretty much. I, I still say it's a very... Well and truly ahead of it. Yeah, it's still a very limited race, though, because I just don't see that many people that want to strap on one of these things. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a novelty thing. factor, but... Yeah. The interesting thing I learned about cardboard is in the cardboard V2 spec for Google um, handsets, they recommend that you don't create your, like, you know, fancy Google cardboard thing, like, you know, the Viewmaster thing we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that you don't create it with head straps. Because the um, the reason why you hold it up to your face manually is because it will actually reduce the chances of motion sickness hmm. um, because it's not a true VR experience in the fact okay. that you have, like, I think it's a frame rate issue of cardboard. So I think these newer implementations like Gear VR and Oculus, they actually have, rather than sort of the, uh, the sort of, yeah, not really experimental. I'm trying to look for the right word. Because cardboard VR is a bit of an experiment by Google. It's by no means ready for gaming because the frame rate is just isn't there. Um, but theoretical yeah, applications? The, the theoretical applications, yeah, I think. Um, I think that Gear VR can do it because it can um, plug into the Oculus ecosystem and it can do the frame rate clip that's required. Um, but, I, yeah, I'd like to try it with a game. I think it will be really interesting to see what it looks like um, with a game running at 60 frames per second um, at full clip. And you can get, with the Gear VR, you can actually get a controller with it as well. Um, so it can become like a you use your Galaxy S7 as, a, as the, the brains of the VR, essentially, because the headset itself is interesting. It's um, It plugs into the phone inside, sort of like, clips in mm -hmm. and on one side there's a micro usb um, plug uh, which would connect to all the interface buttons because there's buttons on the left hand side the right hand side of the gear vr and uh that would just by the looks of things that just does the buttons i think all the processing and compute power is actually done by the phone there's nothing in the headset that is um like uh substituting any processing power for the yeah. Oculus. So it's interesting to see how they've done. They managed to Dragon Force Oculus inside a phone, really. So interesting stuff. Yep, it sure is. So yeah, I'm 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 like I said, I'm I'm happy to see Zen going out on this limb, I'm more happy to see that they tweak their lighting, especially if you look at the Mars table. The, the other thing that I really like is they made them all within a cabinet. Yeah, um, they look like real tables. It really like wets my appetite. And if you look at Mars, it's, they practically turned it into Tron with the lighting. Um, oh, yeah. it, it looks pretty sweet. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm more enthused over the idea that uh, they are actively working on dynamic lighting and we might see that in pinball effects. effects too. Yeah. Yeah. It depends how much is actually Oculus specific or not, whether actually being able to do lighting 
in the. I don't think the lighting has country. anything to do with Oculus. I think it's just more of a, you know, this is their new engine um, mm. that they're running. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much extra plug-in stuff there is that they've had to put in for Oculus and how much is actually the core engine still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what evolves this year as to the Pinball FX2 offering. We shall stay tuned, I'm sure. <laughs> interesting times for Pinball. See, this 2016, it's the, it's the year for Pinball, I think. It's going to be a big year, both digital and real life. Quite possibly, because, I mean, yeah, we're going to be probably seeing a new table from Highway, um, whatever yep. else uh, Stern has got planned, plus the Stern digital app, if that uh, rears its head sometime this year. Um, yep. Yeah. It's funny that uh, in the thread that's happening on the forum at the moment, you know, they actually announced uh, on the Facebook thread that uh, this is Farsight. And I said, oh, yes, we'll have something exciting to share at the Texas Pinball Fe- Festival, was it? I think I can't remember which which one it's it was. An upcoming, but... It's an upcoming fest. I think it's Texas. I thought it was California so, Extreme. Oh yeah, that's right. California yeah, Cali Extreme, that's it. Which is so, in if, June. Yes. So my original prediction in the uh <laughs> in last year was June twenty sixteen <laughs> would be the first time we'd see anything from them. And even I I, I honestly think uh, even I'm out with that. I don't think we're gonna see anything for Stern Pimble app as far as in the stores until at least after Christmas this year. Well, I was going to say, this is going to be just the announcement. We thought we were going to have a game by this point. Um, yeah. So, Well, the soft announcement, like the fact that they, they had engaged with Stern was the first announcement. This yeah. is the, we are closer to a release now. We can start talking about release dates announcement, I'm pretty sure. But on the flip side... Hey, we pretty much know that we'll be getting Game of Thrones and uh, Ghostbusters as tables. You can pretty much guarantee. And I'll tell you what, I'd be more than happy to pay LE or premium prices for those tables. Yeah. Because you know, we just don't see them down here. Yeah. So even if they're like 30 bucks for a table, sign me up because that's 30 plays. In fact, that's not even 30 plays down here because we get charged two bucks a play for brand new Stern tables down here. Mm. You know, that's a bargain. <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, I was gonna say I am a little bit bummed. Uh, last week was uh, it was a league night. I didn't wasn't able to make it because with the wedding sick, uh, mm. it was just better for me to stay at home. Um, Good move. But Good I did move. find out that they had a Hobbit at league. I was like, ah, I wanted to play that. <laughs> oh well, I'm sure I'll get my chance at uh, some point. But we have uh, on the subject of league play, um, the next prison pinball. Uh, club tournament is next week for me. Um, so it's Monday today, but next Monday. And um, I'm going to be going there early to, like, caress the machines <laughs> and make them all shiny and, and bright and working well again because that was really worthwhile doing last week. Put a little uh, special last time sauce on them. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it will, like, I will sacrifice um, – sufficient amount of um, karma to the pinball gods and get in the top three again like I did last time. I've got money waiting for me to collect at the <laughs> next um, pinball thing, which is kind of cool. I've never had a prize oh. before from a, a pinball tournament, so I've kind of done pretty well, so happy with that. And then we've actually found out that we've got another host location for the, the tail end of the Brisbane Pinball Club um, 2015 final as well, with one of our generous club members who's opening up his house for us. Um, all to go and 
abuses pinball machines. So I think he's got a pretty nice collection. I'm, I think he might be the owner of that really amazing um, Indiana Jones mm. pinball machine that I was like, like salivating over last time when I was talking about that event. And that's going to be pretty fun to play. I, those who follow me on Twitter will notice that I'm dominating the Indy Jones over the road from me in the pub. I've cracked a billion the other day on it. I'm now the highest score on there. So pretty happy about that. And that is why you should follow us on Twitter because you can uh, get your get your news on what we're following and what we tend to like do during the week. Uh, yeah, you can follow Jared at Jared Morgs. Follow myself at Shut Your Traps. Or more importantly, you can follow the Blockade podcast itself at Blockade. Then if you do that, you'll be kept up to date on things like when we go live with our sessions. Also what the table of the week will be, which I guess I should get on that and post. Oh, um, post yeah. Yeah, you know. What is it going to be? I don't know. This week? <laughs> I haven't out. looked yet. <laughs> I've been too we'll busy. I've been too busy playing uh, Tomb Raider. I'm at seventy seven percent completion right now. So wow, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Like I said, uh, once again, pinball has fallen by the wayside to the uh, harsh mistress that is Laura Croft. Mm. Um. Which you know what? I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe there'll be some other big pinball news that drops, and we can uh, fill the time with that, too. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Jared, for uh, popping in as usual. And thanks, most importantly, to our listeners for uh, for downloading and listening to this little dog and pony show that we love to do on a weekly basis. I have been Shut Your Traps, a.k.a. Chris Freeman. We'll see you again next time. WizardAmusement.com, the West Coast leader in classic pinball. Makers of custom pinball shooter rods to buyer specifications. Swap out your standard ball plunger with something themed to your specific table. Installs in less than five minutes with no custom tools. Even if you don't own a table, looks great as a pinball memento to admire. Prices start at $39, but mention Blockade Podcast and receive 10% off your order. WizardAmusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.